Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hi, welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast, representing the great ignorant of the world. I am Prue Warren, and I'm very glad to have with me, thank God, my experienced co-host. Hi, I am Meredith Bond, and uh, I've been doing this for a little while, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited this week. Prue, tell us what we have. Uh This week... We, this is like the big deep for me. I am so ignorant on this topic. Meredith, you're going to do one of your books as an audio file. You're going to have book on tape. Well, it's not called book on tape anymore, but that's what I, that's how I think of it. And this week, the woman that you've got doing your audio is here with us, Naomi Rose Mock. And hi. Yay. (laughs) Welcome, Naomi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming into the den of my ignorance. Um, (laughs) There's so much that I don't, I mean, as you don't know, I've written one book. I've written one book. It is self-published. I am at the beginning of my literary empire. That's exciting. This is exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. But it does mean that I am very, very ignorant. So, so Meredith, walk us through the process. How did you decide? How many books do you have, Meredith? You've got many, have, many books. Is this your I first? Have 25, 26 books published, but this is the first book that I have had made into an audio book. And what made you decide? How did you, how did you take the leap? Um, I took the, okay. I have been thinking about this for probably three, four, five years, but it is such a daunting concept to have an audiobook made. And people have told me that I have a very nice voice and that I should record my own audiobooks. I've heard that. I've heard and, people say and so I actually sort of gave it a try. I recorded some short stories that I wrote. And precisely nobody bought them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I offered them for 50 cents on my website. <laughs> wow. But it probably wasn't. I mean, was it the recording? Oh, well, okay. Okay. So. So then I, I decided to get A Hand for the Duke made into an audio book because it's currently my most popular book. It's been my most popular book uh, for many years. And so I looked at ACX, which is the company that creates audible books. And I looked at Findaway Voices, which is an independent audio book company. And what I was hearing was that ACX was taking a really, really long time at getting their books up on Amazon. And since Amazon is the biggest seller of books, I thought that wasn't a great idea. Now, I think it's interesting that Naomi just made that sound that means she's got the backstory here. So, oh, Naomi, tell us what you know. 
Um, well, I have. I am relatively new to audiobooks as well. I'm a theater director and actress and acting teacher who sort of transitioned into the audio world for during the pandemic, and now I love it, and I'm here to stay. And I just finished my sixtieth, excuse me, sixtieth book um, for wow. Audible, and which I've done since September was when I first started auditioning. So it's been kind of a crazy, bumpy ride. That's a lot of books. It's been busy. <laughs> I've been. I've been very like very very happy it's been wonderful but yeah it's it's been kept me very very busy but i like that um acx i think they've been saying due to the pandemic that we're the lag time between a narrator completing a book and the book getting through their quality checks and stuff to actually getting to amazon was running anywhere and it was sort of no rhyme or reason i had some that would go within six weeks and some that would took some took one took four months so oh it's taking forever but the good news is and I hope this, I'm not going to jinx anything saying this. The good news is that for the last month, it's been like a seven day turnaround. So we're back to being like on track. So that's great. And I'm grateful. And thank you, ACX. I hope it's six. So fingers crossed. I didn't jinx anything by saying that, but it sure was a process for a while there. So anyway, I'm so sorry to interrupt and jump in with that. No, no. Go ahead, Meredith. Sorry. We want you, we want your expertise. <laughs> that's why you, we have you here. No, because I know I am as ignorant as Prue is when it comes to making audiobooks. I mean, I have looked at it for so long, but the price of it was always really daunting. Um, a good audio narrator can charge anywhere from like $250 to $500, $600 per finished hour. Finished hour. I was going, wait a minute. That is so unbelievably cheap, but okay. Her finished hour. Okay. Her finished hour. And so a book like A Hand for the Duke, which is 70, 75,000 words, is about seven hours, seven and a half hours finished. And so we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. Okay. All right. Stop. I'm, I'm, Okay. I couldn't read that book in seven hours. How can you record it in seven? How could you listen to it in seven finished hours? Naomi. Well, the key word there is finished, Prue, because ah. the reason that the per finished hour price for an audible narrator seems so astronomically large is because for every finished of hour that the listener hears, you had, depending on the narrator, anything from three to four hours to record that. And then you've also had one or two hours additional for editing because with ACX, which we can talk about more in a second, we are going into the authors completed, like fully ready for audio files. So they have to be edited and that kind of stuff as well. So basically for a seven hour book, it's actually like a 42 hour project. Wow. And you've done 60 so of these? September? Yes. I, yes, I am lucky. I don't do my own editing. I'm so thankful for that. I don't do my own editing because I would not be able to do that sort of volume at all and still have a good finished product. And I think I'm also pretty lucky because my, my career in life has kind of prepared me for this because I teach people how to cold read for a living. So, you know what I mean? So I'm pretty fluid at like seeing the words on the page and be able to translate them, even though I've, and I should also mention I, something I didn't say just now with the finished hour quotient is we also do pre-production on every book. So you read every book and you go through and you mark anything you might need to know as far as accents, dialects, things like that. Because otherwise, 
Murphy's Law says you'll read a book and you've been making strong choices using a plantation Southern accent. And the last line, they mentioned that the man is a German and you're like, oh my gosh, well, that's, that's a surprise to me. So we have to make sure that we read all the books ahead of time. And, um, but yeah, so I, I think I'm lucky. I also have always been an avid reader. I love books. I've always read my entire life. So I'm a quick reader. So that helps as well. So you have to love reading to be a good narrator or it'd be the worst job in the world. You would just hate life. Okay. 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 I, there's so many, so many, I have so many questions. Uh, <laughs> Meredith, have I in what, so you did go with ACX. I mean, Naomi's speaking as though she used, she works with ACX. She does. So I did go with ACX and because it, it is Amazon. And so I knew for certain that my books would get up on Amazon uh-huh. and and would be part of Audible, which is the biggest seller of audiobooks in at least the US. And so what I did was I put my book up and then it gives you an option to, you have to upload a short script, a short piece of your book, and then you ask for auditions. Wow. Okay. Back up, back up. Uh- you, when you put it up, you went to ACX, you went to Amazon's site to turn books into audiobooks. Yes. And said, yes, I'm interested in this process. I'm going to eat the $2,000 it's going to take, and we'll see how this goes. Oh, well, wait. I, I have, I have a, a, a wait a minute here. Because <laughs> ACX has a thing where you don't, you you have three choices with regard to paying for an audiobook to be made. The as the author, I can either pay Naomi outright for whatever she charges, or I can do a royalty share with her. So whatever royalties I earn, she gets 50%. Mm. Or we can do that. And I pay her a little bit in addition to help with the cost. And that helps me pay my editor. So that's, that sort of staves off my pre-production costs. So Naomi, why would you ever, I mean, I'm, I'm a first time author, right? I've written one book. I've sold 600 copies. I mean, that's really small. It would be to no advantage for you to say, all right, I'll share royalties with you because who am I going to sell to? Nobody. How do you know? Well, we look at, that's a great question. We look at a few factors, some things you'd want to do just purely because it's a passion project or because it would be really great to have in your voice portfolio. Um, Some, it's a combination of, would I like to do this? Yes. That's first of all, yes, I would like to do this book. This book is well-written and it intrigues me. Um, The second is we kind of look at where the book is ranking on Amazon, how many sales it has, how many reviews it has. And if those look like they're positive, then that's another good sign. And then the third is to just create relationships with your authors so that once it goes on the market, you can partner for marketing and anything like that. So it's sort of, you're building relationships. It has to be a sort of handoff, especially on royalty share projects between the author and the narrator. We want to make sure that we're doing justice to the vision that you have when you wrote these words. And you want to make sure that we're doing that as well. And then we want to make sure that the product that we're putting out there reflects both of our best effort. So, so there's those things. So basically it's like, do you want to do the second? Do you think it has potential to sell? You're very good. Very good. You're very good. 
You're going to be <laughs> an absolute genius at this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank which you. Of those three, which of those three did you choose? Are you paying outright? Are so, you sharing? I'm paying Naomi a small advance to help defray the cost of her editing. And then it's going to be the royalty share. So your your initial investment has now been deferred. Exactly. And if so, you and if you turn out to be a massive success, the next time you either continue your relationship with Naomi, so both of you profit, or you say, This investment was worth it for me. I'm paying you up front, no extra money for you. <laughs> Which you would rather exactly. not, if she's helped you, if she's helped you achieve success, you want to keep her happy too. Exactly. Okay, so this is brilliant. Okay, so and you and from a narrating perspective, um, for me, for someone that's worked in the theater, um, I'm not used to having the opportunity to build passive income. You know what I mean? Because we're kind of like we're doing this gig, it's done. We're doing the next gig, it's done, and you're filling in in between teaching or whatever you do on the side. So this is this to me was like, what what is this passive income? I know writers are different. You guys work in that <laughs> model, but. The fact that you could build this basis from royalty share that it pays out over seven years. So already, like a few of the products I've done already, the royalty share projects have far outweighed as far as financial gain, the projects that I got paid a set rate for because they've sold so well. And that's like seven years you have the income coming in. So that's great. And like Meredith's book is a series. So it has a potential to give you income coming in in the future. And if, they're all, if they all sell well, which I know they will, Meredith, um, it's going to be, that's just, that's a no brainer. That's great. So it's a wonderful opportunity for both of us to succeed. Awesome. So that's awesome. I'm digging this huge and there's so much more I didn't know. Um, Meredith, you posted a, a chunk of your book on to, to ask for auditions. Yes. How'd you, how'd you choose? It must've been dialogue. You must've chosen dialogue. Well, my books generally are mostly dialogue anyway, but I chose a spot where I would be able to hear all the different voices because there are a lot of characters in my books and I wanted to hear the different voices that uh, the actor would be able to produce so that mm -hmm. we could distinguish the voices. But there must be a way. the characters. Lady Caroline has a high soft voice. Lady Bess speaks with a Lisp. I mean, what what information did you give Naomi so that when she did it, she could make that she could bring it alive? So I always ask my authors if they were casting this as a film, who would they like to see play these roles? <laughs> wow, that's and, a neat way and that to do it. and that kind of gives me like in my head. I'm not going to do an exact mimic of like Maggie Smith, for example, which is one of the people that Meredith gave me. Um, but it gives you sort of the type of voice you're looking for in your head, and also the kind of vibe that actress gives off as well so that's super helpful and meredith gave me great great inspiration through those that's so. this, this sounds I had like a so fun. much fun doing that too i went Yay. searching through youtube and finding different voices and different actors and so what i sent naomi was a lot of youtube videos <laughs> which is great i loved it i loved it that was great so how no. many how many uh, how many narrators responded to your request for an audition, Meredith? Oh, a lot, because Bridgerton had just come out. And uh, so there were a lot of narrators who were very interested in doing a Regency romance to hop onto that Bridgerton bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. And so you heard Naomi and knew that she was the one. Yes. 
Absolutely. She was one of the first ones to respond. And I heard her voice and I said, that's it. That's the voice. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. And I should mention further, I'm originally from England. So I do have a natural English accent as well. I learned that the fancy term for it is bi-dialectical, that I can speak fluently, quote unquote, in American and British. So that helps me too. There's so many so. varieties of British accent, though. Your natural exactly. is, I mean, uh, is my it- natural... Interesting question. I lived all over the place in England. My mom is from Glasgow and my father is from central London. And I was born in Northampton and then lived in Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire, so in the home counties. And then my <laughs> mother's yeah. mom is from Somerset, down the west part from there, before I moved to the south in America. So I have a really weird conglomerate accent. So I can kind of, I have people in my family from everywhere. So I kind of pull, and I've always been a mimic. So I can kind of do whatever accent you need me to. That's outstanding. And so. do you, do you, um, you say you read a lot. Are you, are your 60 books primarily romances? No, no. It's been really weird. That's been a really interesting thing since, you know, being new to the narrator gig and being, like I said, being more of a stage actress by background. It's really funny because, you know, I'm, I'm 40 and I'm booking these, a lot of the books I've been getting are dystopian YA, like edgy, like I'm playing like an angry teenager and I'm here for it. I love it. <laughs> but it's not something I would ever think to cast myself as. So, and I've done a lot of like action, like kind of like the spy type women. I'm like, this is amazing. I would never play this in real life because I am lazy and I don't do those stunts and stuff. So that's been really interesting. So I've, I, I think predominantly I have primarily so far the, a lot of zombie stuff a lot of zombie stuff, a lot of fantasy, a lot of like, a lot of dystopian YA. And I have booked several romances. um, And I would like to do more historical romances because I love reading those. So a lot of the books I've been getting is not the style that I have historically read. So it's been really interesting. Okay, here's a question. Would you, my books are quote unquote clean. They Mm -hmm. don't have any explicit sex Mm -hmm. on the page. Would you be willing? <laughs> would you be willing to read that? I have, I have. Um, so I didn't think I would be, <laughs> and then I've done it, and it's because it's such a it's such an acting exercise that I don't know. I feel like once you find the character, it doesn't feel like it's me doing it. So the only thing that's been weird is like when I'm sharing, like, oh, this book just came out. Like one of my good friends was like, oh, can I get can I get the code for that? Because we give out codes so you can. Um, leave reviews and things and I was like sure just know there is one scene in here that you may want to like zip over because it's me and I'm your friend and that might be weird so wait longer yes I've done it and it doesn't really bother me my so. sister my sister is a tremendous support for me and she's like okay I'm gonna read this book for you but tell me what chapters I'm skipping because I don't want to know <laughs> okay <laughs> Not my daughter does the same thing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just weird. It's weird hearing someone, you know, even if they don't sound necessarily like the way you're used to hearing them. sound. I think it's a strange thing to hear them sort of read these spicy things like, Oh, it's still my friend. That's still, still so yeah, (laughs) I know my mother died before I published my first book. Oh, freedom. (laughs) That chapter mother. (laughs) I'm sorry, but there is a reason you're here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, you found Naomi and Naomi 
looked at your background and said, this woman has a lot of books and Regency has obviously struck a chord with, with the world. I'm going to, I'm going to work with Meredith. So you were both attractive to each other. Oh my God. It's a meet cute. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. ACX. (laughs) (laughs) It was happily ever after. So, um, Nami, you have an editor who you work with. Mm-hmm. How'd you find an editor? I mean, as an actress, do you have a sound editor sitting around in your back pocket? Well, my husband actually does a lot of sound design. He's not my editor, though, which, again, would be, I think, that he doesn't have time to do that. But he is a very um, a technical theater person. He does scene design and sound design, that kind of stuff. So I do actually know a lot of people that do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this was, like I said, I feel really... There's been a lot of actors have sort of transitioned into audiobooks during the pandemic, but I feel like because I do a lot of directing as well as, I mean, I do more directing than I do performing these days. It made me uniquely suited. I had a wide network of people I could ask about things and could reach out to. So yeah, I was, I was, I wouldn't have embarked on this without an editor because I don't like the technical side. And I think it would also be really hard for me because I'm very self-critical if I was having to sit there and listen to myself talk for hours, I would just probably end up like fixating and re-recording and re-recording and re-recording. And I would probably, at this point, having started in September, might have finished one chapter. You know, we said it's a little like personal hell, re-recording and re-recording and like, you know, rocking back and forth and crying. So I am so glad that I, I have access to editors. And, you know, the online community for this is also super supportive and there are great groups available for anyone's interest in this, that really was filled with very expert narrators who have access also to many resources that share with you. And uh, that has been amazing too. So, but ACX doesn't hook you up. You're on your no, own. AC, ACX is pretty much like the, they sort of, the function that they serve is to provide this platform where authors and narrators can connect. But outside of that, you're pretty much on your own. Now they do have certain tech specs that you have to meet, you know, you're, you have to have your sound floor at a certain level and things like that. But other than that, ASEX is just there to be like the clearance house, basically to connect us and get the work out there. They just facilitate everything else you're doing on your own. Just like self-publishing on Amazon. Good luck. I'm exactly. I'm sure. It's, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know that side at all. So you guys have to educate me, but yeah, it's very much, it's very much, it's kind of crazy that we can all sit here and do this in our houses. You know what I mean? It's like, what a crazy world we live in, but yes, it is. Yeah. So you, but you do it from because I was like when I when I envision someone reading a book, I see them in a in a small room lined with eggshell creating, right? Yes. And, you've been and, seeing okay. my yes, you've seen my space. Yeah, Is that what my you space. Have? <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a my house we had initially intended when we bought this house to make it a catio and my cat summarily dismissed it as we'd rather be in the house. It's no. So <laughs> we converted this this patio screen porch into this um catio area that didn't work out so we made it into sort of just an extra space and so we've converted that into my studio so that has absolutely egg crates everywhere the sound blankets everywhere and that's where i do everything so it works out really well i had the space in my house already kind of sitting there wow so that's yeah and don't have someone on the other side of a screen going all right let's try that again with more emotion right i mean you are no i'm my own (laughs) director and but again like like I said, that's, that's been my profession. So I think that I do a decent job at being like self-aware. Um, so, yeah. So, and I, and we use a technique called punch and roll, which basically is as you're recording, if you feel like you've made an error, you want to redo something, you just click out, you just stop the recording and it will 
back it up like four or five seconds so you can hear what you were sounding like before and you just match your voice and keep going. So and that makes things go a whole lot faster. I think so. that's I think that's fascinating. It's the it's the it's the backup button on on the on the DVR. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because you'd be amazed like the difference in your voice, like even between like when you, you know, when you like this time of day versus when I've been talking all day long, like the differences in your voice and that kind of stuff, you really get to be aware of that when you're used to when you're using it as your job. So, yeah, just stuff to think about. Wow. I think that's fascinating. How okay, do you so- keep all of the voices straight? Ah, I make a little cheat, like a little cheat audio file of like cast of characters. Because especially if I know that it's the possibility to be a series, I can usually keep it all in my like muscle memory for a book. But if it's going to be for a series, I want to have that in my hand. So I have all these audio files of just like these different characters that I voice these, these voices for that I can reference back to. So, oh so you pause your recording, get Lady Catherine, listen to what you had decided on and then go back to it. Actually, I do it typically before I start. I go through and I've done read, after I've read it and I've looked at what the authors have sent to me, I'll try and do like a cast of characters like recording that I then reference back to. And like I said, for one book, I can usually keep it kind of in my muscle memory. It's just once I've gone off and done other projects and come back to it, I'd have to have that because it would, it would not be there. I'd have yeah. to re-listen. So Meredith sends you her book. You agree we're going to work together. Mm-hmm. She sends you mm-hmm. her book. Do you record a chapter and send it to her? Do you record the whole thing and send it to her? I record the whole thing and send it to her because I work. Some some narrators do their own editing, and some people prefer to upload it a chapter at a time, get feedback, and keep going like that. But because I work with an editor, that wouldn't be expedient because she has other work to do as well. So basically, I record the whole thing. I send it to my editor. She goes through and she masters it and she edits it for me. And then I send it to the author and then the author sends me any edits they have. And we do two rounds of that. And then it goes up to ACX. So at this point, I'm just beginning to listen to the book. So so I actually started. (laughs) No. (laughs) Please don't play any. I'll splice them into the recording of this so that you all can hear it. I just don't want to listen and be like, oh, listening to myself. (laughs) Here is the promised splice in. This is a little bit from A Hand for the Duke from Chapter 5. But what are we wagering? What are we playing for? Miss Aldred asked. Well, most commonly, one wages a penny or a halfpenny a point, Christiane said. But if we're not going to be playing for money, since that would be difficult for some of us, Miss Hemshaw started to ask. She didn't need to finish her question. It was quiet for a few minutes while everyone considered this. The Duchess of Kendall broke the silence with a whisper. Secrets. What? Claire said, spinning around to face the Duchess. The lady looked up from her hands, clasped tightly in her lap, which had been her focus when she'd spoken. We all have them. I propose that we wager our secrets, with the understanding that they will not go beyond this group. That's a very high price to pay for losing a card game, Miss Sheffield said, her usual smile faltering just a touch. It is an extremely high price to pay, Miss Aldridge agreed. But it won't damage anyone's purse, Miss Hemshaw said, considering it. Only your reputation, Claire added. And now, back to our interview. 
So I'm curious as to what sort of edits people send you. Um, It varies. Sometimes it'll be as simple as I thought this pause was too long between here and here. Sometimes it'll be um, I didn't like this character's voice and you have to redo the character's voice. Um, Luckily, that doesn't happen very often. So it happened to me once so far. Other times it'll be like basic things like this chapter 10 title was too close to the start. It tends to be more technical versus I would prefer you took a smaller breath here and I want you to like punch this word and pull this word back and give me more like intensity on it. Like, because then we get into a situation where the author is directing the book and that can also get a little dicey because there's a reason that writers don't direct their own films. mainly. You know what I mean? So you want a little bit of distance. It's like me editing myself. You get too close where you start like obsessing a little bit. So most of it tends to be more technical, but I will, I'm always, I want it to be a product that the writers are proud of. So I'm always happy to do whatever I can to make sure it's meeting their vision. So you would actually change a voice. If someone didn't like the way the voice went, you'd go through yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Like I said, it's not ideal and I would prefer not to, but yes, yes. And that's when, again, thank God I have an editor because she'll go through and find everything for me and send me a script of what I have to do. Wow. Wow. So, um, yeah. And Meredith in the beginning, did Naomi send you, this is the voice I'm thinking of for Lady Catherine or are you just no. trusting? She knows what she's doing. So because I sent her examples of voices, I trusted her to to do it right. But I may be one of those horrible people that asks you to redo a voice. Okay. <gasps> oh, you already know. <laughs> because I've been I started listening to it today. Because I, I, I was thinking, oh, I really should listen to that before I speak with her. <laughs> so I was listening to it and I was loving just loving it to little bits absolutely and then the hero started talking and I was like oh Oh, no no. okay okay his voice is too high oh I feel horrible I'll have to lower it I'll have to lower it yeah that's fine okay that's what I mean like I said I've done it before but I'm happy to do it again yeah wow can you lower it through technology can you just take out the you could, but it's going to sound like it's been oh, really? affected. Yeah. If you do that, you get like, a, it sounds like you can essence what you have. So I will do it. I'll just have to get my, uh, my lower voice going, which will be fine. Yeah, speak yeah. Yes. 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 Good morning. Good yes. morning. That's something I've had to work on is the, the male voices, because that's something that you typically don't have to do as a female performer. So working right. on those male voices has been an adventure. And I've, I feel like I've gotten more, more comfortable with it um, and have more of a vocabulary with it. But that was definitely a new skill I had to develop because I'd never used that before. Like those, this is this man from down here and this is, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was so interesting because actually some of your female voices are lower pitched than the male voice. Yep. Well, the thing is, one of the things that you that you work on again with audio acting is you don't want to fall into like Monty Python-esque like, I'm a woman, so I'm going to talk up here. And I'm a man, and I'm going to speak down here. So what I always try to do is think about the character and sort of like how they would breathe and how they move and then try and fit the voice there. Because like as a woman, I have a lower voice. So I always try to think of it in terms of like how I think the character would do something versus like I'm just going to be like, oh, you know, ah, like that kind of stuff. So I try and like <laughs> give, it a, give it a little more definition versus just high-low and that kind of thing in my head. Let's so. just be working with a trained actor as a as a narrator is i hadn't even thought about how the character moves 
I, I think that you are exactly right. You're in exactly the right place. Thank you. Thank you. It, it feels good. I really, yeah, I really enjoy it. So it feels good. What happens next for you? I mean, as theaters are opening back up, are you going to take time? I mean, what's, what are you going to, I mean, uh, it's a great question. I'm going to try. And this is like emphasis on the word try, because this is the great struggle we all have in life. I'm going to try. I really want to make audiobooks my focus. I'm going to try and take passion projects as far as directing, but I, in in the pre-COVID life was doing, you know, between 10 and 11 directing jobs a year. So I was always directing at least one thing. And I'm going to try and cut that scale way back to like two or three and try and keep this as my primary. Wow. So wish me luck with that. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> trying to mean, try and find that balance. It does mean though, that you can only take the jobs that really look fascinating. I mean, if you're, if you're being totally discriminating and saying, I'm not taking any job that'll pay the rent. Now I'm only taking the directing jobs that just get me buzzed. Right. Really- which is cool. Which is cool. Which is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that'll be good. And like I said, we'll see if I'm successful as that because uh, doing that, because that's it's always a struggle for me to find that balance and just not just like convince myself I can do everything and go a thousand percent all the time. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Are you, are you, are you, um, California? Are you New York? Are you in a theater? No, huh? I'm no, I'm in Florida. Um, so I do a lot of regional things and that kind of stuff. And I also do a lot of educational theater where I'm in Tallahassee. So we have three universities here as well as eight high schools. And I kind of weave my way through all of that. So, wow. But really, if you, if you, I'm I'm just thinking about, I don't know why your career path is suddenly the focus when, well, I need to glom onto my career path, but you are (laughs) more national exposure now than you were as a stage actor or a film actor. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's crazy. I mean, when you think about like Meredith in Vienna, I have another author who's in Australia, like you're working with people from all over the place. And it's, like I said, the technology makes everything so connected and easy, which is just, it's, it's incredible, but it's really cool. But yeah, I've, I've, and again, because I do a lot of stuff with my British voice, I have a lot of English authors too. So working a lot with people all over the place, which I think is so cool. I'm going to talk to you guys. I would never have met you guys. You know, it's, right. it's really cool. I love right. that. And people we're also- all over the world are listening yeah. to you. Right. 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 Which is- Six books listened to right. by all audible, hungry people who need something new to, to listen to while they're whatever. Right. Right. Which is again, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. Crazy thing. But very, very cool. Very cool. I feel very, very lucky. I'm thinking about the times that I've read reviews of audible books where someone says, I will buy anything that this narrator reads, right? I mean, the narrators themselves develop, right? As much as the author, you have the potential to create your empire too. Here we go, everybody, (laughs) lift up. (laughs) Yeah, that's very, and that's very exciting too. Very exciting. And again, with like series like Meredith, that's, I think those are great opportunities for narrators because that certainly allows you to develop. You get, first of all, you get to spend so much time with these characters. And Meredith, I think it's so cool how each of these ladies gets their own focus. I think that's such a cool, cool hook. But I think that's a great opportunity for me if, you know, if we decide we want to continue with the series, that I get to spend all this time with those characters. Like that's just a great thing. And it's, it, it's fun getting to spend so much time with those characters and really get a sense of like situations and really get to be part of that universe for such an extended time. I love that. I think that's amazing. 
Well, that's like being a reader. <laughs> yes. I mean, you yes. find this yes. and I- series and you can't help it. You're sucked in and you're going for every single one. You're going yeah. even further. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of feels like, you know, when you read a series that you're super invested in and it finishes and you're kind of like, Oh, got to like suck myself out of that back into the regular universe. It kind of feels like that with every book I narrate, because as a narrator, you're already like the vessel to like bring this story to people. And when it's almost like you have to unplug yourself from it at the end. So it's, yeah, I I think doing this even more intense, but I'm, I'm excited for that. I think it must be like do the same thing as when you're involved in a production the last night that you've given the the perf- performance. Well, the, what if this this disappears now? This is gone. Right. What I've always loved as a theater director, especially, is that you start with this blank space and you create this entire universe that only exists in the moment that the audience is watching it. You know what I mean? When they're not watching it, it doesn't exist for them anymore. And at the end of whatever your run is, that universe is torn down and it's back to a blank slate. And I think that is so amazing. And I think doing narration for a living is similar to that because you just dive into these worlds and you're completely immersed in those worlds for the entire time you're in them. And then you're out of it and you're creating a new one. And that is just fascinating. Fascinating way to live. It's like that being an author, I'm sure even more so. I was going to say, you're going to write a book, honey. The water's fine. Come on in. You can do yeah. it. <laughs> we got it for you. Naomi, you're so fascinating. Meredith, did I cut off any of your questions? No, I think I think we're good. I just I have to say that, you know, I started listening to Naomi's reading of my book and I was like, oh my God, this is so lovely. I could just listen to this for hours. Oh, wait a minute. I get to listen to this for <laughs> <Good> hours. <laughs> Good news. All right. Naomi Rose Mock. Rose and Mock are hyphenated. So anybody who's listening who says this is the way to go, Naomi Rose Mock, you can find her on ACS. Thank you so much. Oh, God. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Pleasure. Meredith, next week, we're talking about voice. Yeah. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Be flat. I don't know. Um, so we'll talk about voice next week and any uh, listeners who care to could rate us on whatever platform they're listening on, which includes Spotify and Amazon and Apple podcasts and so many others. We're everywhere. We're like We're the everywhere. flow. Where? Um, and you can leave us comments on the writers block party podcast.com and Authors or interested people are welcome to join us on the Discord server where we've begun. What have we been, what did you begin this week while I wasn't paying attention, Meredith, on the on the Discord server? Actually, we haven't begun it yet. I have proposed it and we are going to begin it on Monday, actually. Um, so by the time you are listening to this, dear listeners, uh, we will have already begun this, but do not worry, you can certainly join in. Um, we are going to start a book club because I started reading Gail Carriger's new book, The Heroine's Journey, and it is mind-blowing. I, I mean, there is so much information in every single section of this book 
that I just want to tear it apart and discuss it with somebody. And so I proposed it on the Discord. And so many people said, yes, 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 yes. I want to be part of this conversation. Good. All right. And so that's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start discussing Gail Carriger's new book. And maybe when we're done this one, somebody else will propose a book that we can discuss after it. Excellent. Excellent. That's a lot. How do I join your Discord server, Meredith? Just email me, Mary at MeredithBond.com, and Mary I will send you a link. M-E-R-R-Y, Mary, not M-A-R-Y. Exactly. Mary at MeredithBond.com. Please let me join the Discord server, and then you'll let us in. Let exactly. Us in. Okay. Beautiful. This has been an awesome experience for me, and I want to thank Naomi again. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Talk to you next week, Mary. Okay. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com com one word that's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with mary and prue or ask questions for the next podcast write with joy friends and see you next week Music.